0: salutations and all that jazz. From sunny Orlando, Florida, the city beautiful, this is the Pack Brothers podcast. I'm your host, David, and with me as always, my brother, Michael. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Thanks for listening. All right, so we are up for another episode here. Kind of continuing the theme of the previous few, I think. We had Tom and Jerry a couple weeks ago, and then we talked about some Saturday morning cartoons. And now, another topic, but Related, I think Saturday morning, in fact. Yep, yep. Today we're going to be talking about the Smurfiest uh, cartoon that there was. That, you know, you'd get up early in the morning and you would turn on the smurf vision and you would Smurf this show for at least an hour. Did we, uh, did we, are we going to talk about the etymology of that word and what it could be used for? Yes, that's okay. part of this. We're going to talk about the Smurfs today, <laughs> in this episode. Because it was always confusing to me what those words meant. Yeah, there there is a it's perhaps apocryphal, but there's a story behind the, that. But uh, a- as we get into this, we're going to be exploring the origin of where these little blue creatures came from, and their creator, and how the uh, cartoon came about, and then some of the things that we remember and enjoyed from the uh, the cartoon, and some of the other things that it spawned in pop culture. I do have a lot of good memories of that uh, cartoon. It was one of my faves. Yeah, it's one of the most quintessential uh 80s cartoons and the fact that it ranged from 81 to 89 just kind of cements that in the uh, the canon as far as if you associate one cartoon with the 80s this would be probably one of the ones that gets most closely associated with that time frame yeah definitely top five for sure I would say for Saturday morning 80s cartoons yeah it was one of my favorites I remember watching it uh when it first came on and then you know for several years afterwards (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe for too long I really don't know I, I don't know um yeah, but we'll we'll dig into that a little bit. So we'll get started. So, all right. Uh, the Smurfs were created, and you probably see this on the title. Uh, do you remember the name of the creator of the the Smurfs? Um, I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, I always think always pronounced it Peyo. Uh, I think it's P E Y O, right? Right, Peyo. Peyo. That was somewhat of a nom de plume, though. His real name is Pierre Keyford. Oh. Um, the way he came across that name, Peyo, was there's a uh, diminutive form of Pierre, someone who's you know a young man who would call, call Pierre Piero, and he had an American cousin who couldn't pronounce it, but he pronounced it Peyo. And so he, he took that name as his uh, nom de plume when he was doing his creations. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting because I really didn't know. I thought it was an odd name. I thought it was maybe a last name or something, but I guess that makes sense. No, he was a Belgian comic writer, and that's what he got his start in, was doing comic strips. And uh, he began his career making comic strips for different magazines. And he he did it for a while, and he finally came up with one commercially successful comic. Can you guess what that was? Uh, Was it The Smurfs? No. You would be wrong. (laughs) Uh, His first commercially successful comic was Johan. Oh, like the Johan and uh the peewee? Yes. That's where Johan comes from. He was his first comic nineteen forty seven is when that came about. So quite a while before the Smurfs came on the scene. Well, no wonder they always had that in the uh in the cartoons. I was wondered why he was sort of shoehorned in there, but I guess that's why, because this was his main Popular creation when he was known for I guess, at first anyway. Absolutely, yeah. So Johan, the comic, was set in the Middle Ages. And it followed this character, Johan, who was a page who served a king and rode his trusty horse, Bayard. And in 1954, a faithful sidekick joined Johan, Pee-wee. Okay, so there you go. Now it's all coming together. He was this blonde, gluttonous character who would ride his goat, Paquette. I remember that now. Yeah. I remember Paquette. He would sing these off key melodies and act largely as comic relief. He just was m- into food and into singing. Uh, oddly enough, Pee Wee, uh, according to Peo, was his favorite character he ever created. Really? Yeah. So, not the Smurfs, Pee Wee was the favorite character that Peyo created. I never was that big of a fan. Anytime Johan and Pee Wee came on the scene, I always rolled my eyes and, like, all right, let's go back to the Smurfs. Yeah, that was something that they started in the early seasons, and we'll get to that a little bit more when we start talking about the actual cartoon itself. Awesome. All right, looking forward to that. But in uh, in 1958, there was a uh, Johan and Pee Wee story called The Flute with Six Holes, or <laughs> The Magic Flute. Oh, no, that is starting to sound like something that the Smurfs might be involved in. Right, and it introduced these new characters who actually created the magical flute. And... Uh, one existing character from Johann and Pee Wee, the Enchanter Omnibus, told Johann and Pee Wee about the existence of these new characters called Le Strumps, <laughs> Le Strumpfs. yes, Le Strumps. Uh, so w- that brings us to the discussion of where did that term come from? What does that term mean? Uh, and so uh, the term was coined uh, by Peo. It may b- have came from the German word Strumph which means stocking or sock, which is similar to uh, what the, the hats that the Smurfs would wear. Yeah, they look a little bit like sock hats. Right, exactly. Um, it's, it's not really semantically related to Strumpf, but it's kind of a funny-sounding word to the French ear because it has this unfamiliar combination of consonants that they don't have in their language. It's little so, bit like a nonsense word that we would have in America, just as the French version of it, I guess. Exactly. Now, there's also an apocryphal story for the origin of this term. Uh, The story goes that Peo would tell that he was on a summer holiday, eating uh, with his family and a friend from school named Andre. And Peo wanted him, uh, he wanted to salt his food, but halfway through asking uh, for the salt, the relevant noun eluded him (laughs) in in his uh, asking. So he... He said, Andre, he gestured to the, the salt shaker, said, pass me the, uh, pass me the strumpf. <laughs> he just could not remember the name for that, so that word came out. And Andre passed the salt shaker and saying, take it easy. Here's your strumpf. And Peo responded, okay, when I'm through with it, I'll strumpf it back. And they ended up talking, uh, they spoke strumpf all night uh, <laughs> at that dinner. And then at the evening's end, Peo jotted down that joke for, for later. Yeah, I can sort of see it sort of happening organically like that. That has the ring of truth to it because it sounds like something that would be a running joke that would maybe strike you funny at the time. It's kind of odd that he couldn't remember the word for assault, but I, I won't, you know, dig too far into it. But I you know, it does sort of lead uh, credence to the way that the Smurfs use that word. Smurf interchangeably for just about everything. Yeah, it could be a noun. It could be a verb, uh, an adjective. Uh, it could be really anything. And that was one of the hallmarks of the Smurfs during the uh, the, the cartoon. Yeah. Now, uh, the, the Smurfs, uh, they, they appeared in that, that show, uh, the, that, that cartoon. The, the flute yeah, with and, six and holes. The flute with six holes, yeah. Um, and they might have just faded into obscurity after that, but there was another collaborator of Peo and he wanted to place a little miniature magazine into a centerfold of a Johan comic. And he thought the little blue characters would fit well in that. And so uh, the little cartoon that he put in there was called Les Struths Noirs. Les Struths Noirs, or the Black Smurfs. Oh, that sounds creepy. Yeah. So it, in the story, a fly biting the Smurfs turns them darker and evil. Okay, so there was an actual, I remember this cartoon from the uh, 80s series. There was a very uh, mean looking, and I think it was the same thing. It was bitten by a fly, and then they would just turn evil and start biting each other, if I recall. Uh, Yes, you're correct about that. And a lot of the Smurf stories, especially in the early seasons, were adapted from Peyo's comics that he had developed over the years uh, when he was doing his career which makes sense that you're drawing from that source material when you're first starting a new enterprise in a a different country. You have that rich uh, lore that you can pull from. Yeah, I think the Peanuts did the same thing when they were having cartoons. You could see, especially when they had like a Charlie Brown and Snoopy show and they had these little vignettes, you could almost tell that they were just lifted from different panels of the comics, even like they would have a few seconds and then an interstitial and then another few seconds. Like they were just basically taking the – strips and just lifting them, you know, whole cloth and putting them in cartoon form. Yeah, I do think you're right about that. The peanuts landed or leaned heavily on that, uh, in later s- specials. Um, now this story with Les Strums Noir was a massive hit and it led to a lot of, uh, merchandising of the figures, including little figurines that depicted the Smurfs. Hmm. And, wonder, uh, and was this, this was a while ago, right? Yeah, this, this was, this was, a uh, I think in the, maybe late 50s, early 60s. Wow. So way before they came over here. Right. Now, as a a quick aside, the the Schleich Smurf figurines have been immensely popular. Uh, They were initially given away in the 70s by national garages and by McDonald's even in the 90s here in America. And they continue to be made today. Schleich um, currently makes at least 8 to 12 new Smurf figures a year. I had no idea that they were still doing this because I think we have a few of the older ones quote unquote older probably ones probably the 90s or you know some of those that came uh, that were popular at that time i had no idea they were still making them but this give you an idea how popular they are over the time that they've been producing these over 300 million have been sold <laughs> <laughs> which is a pretty staggering number that's, that's a uh, smurfy amount for sure so certainly uh, after they, their success took off the smurfs they took off in popularity, eventually supplanting Johan and Pee Wee and the, uh, the audience's uh, good graces, as it should be. <laughs> so the Smurfs didn't get their own standalone comic until 1964. And then in 1966, uh, they continued to grow in popularity, and they started doing animated shorts of the Strumpf's, uh, between 1961 and 1967, uh, the first series that was actually in black and white, and the later oh, ones why. were in color. I've not seen those. I would be interested in seeing how they they look, although I don't know how uh, visually it's going to be similar to the the Hanna-Barbera cartoon that we're familiar with. And I imagine it's not in English either, so it would probably be a hard watch. Yeah, definitely not. Speaking of <laughs> uh, animated uh, works of the Smurfs not in English, uh, Peo eventually began working for a Belgian animation studio called Bell Vision. okay. And his first cinematic debut, he took his creations and readapted them for La Flute a Six Strumphs, (laughs) or The Flute with Six Smurfs, instead of Six Holes. Hmm. And it was released, that film was released in Belgium in 1976. Okay, so we're getting closer. Right. And it was the first animated example of the characters in in a, uh, a feature And this is also uh, why I think when we were younger, this movie came out and was readapted called The Smurfs and the Magic Flute. Yeah, now that I do remember. This is probably why it was so hard to watch as a kid. If you start looking at it in comparison to the cartoon, it's very different. It wasn't released, first of all, in America until 1983, which was after the Smurfs episodes had started here. They started here in September 12, 1981. And the cartoon, the, the Smurfs and the Magic Flute, was not released until 83. So there was already some established continuity from the cartoons, and maybe the Magic Flute cartoon didn't quite agree with it, or maybe the animation style was different. I'm yeah. not sure. A little bit from column A and from column B. The Smurfs play a fairly major part in the film, but they don't appear for, until the first 35 minutes of the film. Oh, so you're, As a kid, I remember waiting, well, where are these Smurfs? Well, what's going on here? And this was not what I was expecting when I tried to watch that film. Yeah. So I mean, the Smurfs, I was promised Smurfs. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and finally you get to meet Smurfs in the film. There's Papa Smurf, Brainy Smurf, Grouchy, Hefty, Handy, Clumsy, Greedy. Although in Greedy, in the American Dumb, he's called Sweetie. <laughs> Poet Smurf and Farmer Smurf and a new character, um, Actor Smurf. Okay. Who liked to sing and dance and whose priority was always wanting to have a party. But that adds up. Yeah, that seems to be the the Smurf Modus operandi. Um they have one primary characteristic that becomes almost a caricature. That's all they can just like they obsess on it and they focus on it and that becomes their entire personality. Right. Grumpy's always going to be grumpy. If he's not, he wouldn't be grumpy. Or grouchy, I guess. Uh, I don't right. I don't wanna mix my uh Smurfs was my dwarves. Yeah, that's an embarrassing faux pas. You want to avoid that. Ooh-la-la. So uh, anyway, uh, it was unlike the Hanna-Barbera cartoon because all the Smurfs, uh, with the exception of Papa, Grouchy and Brainy look alike. They don't have their trademark attributes. I guess, yeah, I guess I had to add those later because how am I supposed to know the difference between Clumsy and Brainy and, and all these people, right? Right, yeah, so they didn't have necessarily their characteristics that you were familiar wa- uh, with in the, in the comic. And the humor is also closer to the comics but different than the cartoon. Like, for example, when Brainy Smurf is being annoying too much, what happens in the cartoon? In the cartoon, oh, he gets tossed out of the village somehow. I, I'm assuming Hefty does it because I can't imagine unless all the smurfs get together and just summarily throw him on his head. Right, exactly. He gets kind of tossed out of the village. But in the cartoon, he's constantly getting whacked with a hammer. <laughs> and not necessarily for being uh, arrogant, but simply for talking too much. I guess the lesson they're telling you is if you're too smart, we're going to hit you with a hammer until you're not anymore. Do we give you some sort of... Concussion or permanent brain damage. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be brainy. Uh, eventually, uh, the voice characters were different as well. So Papa Smurf has a higher pitched voice, and it's just a very different experience than what you're used to. If your first introduction to these characters were the Saturday morning cartoon, I'm really surprised they didn't, you know, take the time to redub it. Like, all right, we've got the actors who are doing Papa Smurf. Hey, do you mind doing it for this wildly successful movie? Sure. I don't know. That's very strange. Yeah, I don't know why they they made that decision or or made the decision not to do that. It seems like an obvious choice that you want to get the original voice actors in there for that continuity because obviously the kids are going to be expecting that and they're going to be a little bit thrown off when that's not the case. But maybe just the cost of uh, translating the work and then hiring the voice talent was not worth uh, the effort. And it wasn't really commercially successful Either. I don't know what difference having the better voice actors or the more consistent voice actors would have had at that point. True. So, also, the, the other limitation, I guess, of the cartoon was you know, it was based on the source material, but there were a lot of characters that were known in the cartoon, like Gargamel and Azriel and Smurfette, that were not present in the film. So, their absence it seems strange compared to what you usually saw on the cartoon. Right. There was a very, sometimes by the numbers, plots of the Smurfs. Know, there's always going to be someone against them and most of the time it's going to be Gargamel and Azrael, so if they're missing, you know, it makes you wonder what are the Smurfs here for? <laughs> Other than, I guess, to somehow make the magic flute with six holes. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, now speaking of the cartoon, uh, one person that we can thank for that is Fred Silverman. He was working with NBC and Hanna-Barbera. He, he did a lot of He was a producer on all three of the big three major networks at one time or another during his career, ABC, CBS, or in this case, NBC. And he's responsible for a lot of television shows reaching the air, uh, including the Smurfs. He's also responsible for Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? He was responsible for Charlie's Angels coming on the air and several other shows in The Waltons and miniseries mm-hmm. as well. Quite the tastemaker, I guess. Yeah, he was sometimes referred to as the man with the golden gut <laughs> as far as determining what would be popular among different people. And the story goes, which is also perhaps apocryphal, that his daughter had a Smurf doll that was purchased for her in 1980 because there was a, a man who agreed to licensing for the Smurfs prior to the cartoon being... Uh, Made in, in the U.S., but he, this man took a trip overseas and saw the little characters and thought that they would be popular in America. And so he signed a merchandising agreement with them. And then, when Fred Silverman saw that his doll, his daughter had a doll that was purchased for her, he thought that they would be, make a good cartoon. Oh well, he his golden gut was uh, writing right in this. Uh- time anyway very much so at least yes. in my in my opinion anyway well uh, um, america and kids uh, of all ages uh, likely agreed with you there because the smurfs was very popular and uh that so that as i mentioned the smurfs cartoon debuted in america hanna-barbera developed it and it appeared on september 12th 1981 and it ran all the way until august 25th 1990 wow so that, as I mentioned, more than anything to me defines it as the quintessential eighties uh so, Saturday morning cartoon. So that we would probably want we were in first grade then, right? Yeah. Yes, we were in first grade when it when it uh premiered. All right. That 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 tracks that tracks what I remember and, about and the show. Right. And I remember really enjoying this show as a kid. I remember thinking that the characters looked interesting and there was humor. It had this like Papa smurf would mix up potions and so there was this little magic element and as a little kid i remember watching shows like i dream of genie and bewitched and so this had this little uh magical element that i thought was cool as a little kid yeah i always liked the potion making aspect i remember wasting a lot of uh cleaning chemicals and no matter what what else i could find in in the bathroom trying to make a uh potion which i maybe i should have I should go back and listen to the Mister Yuck episode and why that's such a bad idea. <laughs> and I mean, wasteful and dangerous. But yeah. you know, I'm a little kid, so what do I know? Yeah, I'm sure Dad's wondering where all of his aqua velva went, and Mom's wondering where all her shampoo went. Well, we had to make these potions, so uh, sorry. That's right. <laughs> we, you know, Gargamel's not going to fight himself, so right. we have to do. We have to take up arms. Do not question science. This is just research, okay? <laughs> We're trying to, you know, learn how to do this. Yes. <laughs> It made sense when we were six. Yeah. A lot of things did. Maybe not so much now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But I remember really liking the show. I remember liking uh, some of the merchandise that came along with it. We ha- I had a little Smurf doll that was maybe a little bit larger than what the Smurfs would have been in the cartoon, but it was close enough for government work that, okay, now I have my own little Smurf. Yeah, I think the cartoon, or somewhere in the lore, they talked about them being three apples high. You know, which I really don't know if those are big apples or small apples or what, but typically when a gargamel would grab them with his fist, their head would be out one side and their, you know, legs would be out the bottom. So I try to think about that size, When I look at my hand now, I don't know if that's three apples or not, probably pretty close. Yeah, I'm not sure really uh, what the metric is on that as far as uh, how many metric, uh, <laughs> the conversion inches, or whatever that they are, but uh, maybe it was meant to be vague on purpose. I do remember one thing as a kid that the, uh, the scale of objects would change rapidly on the cartoon where, you know, maybe there might be a pair of magic glasses that was created and the Smurfs could wear it and then somehow Gargamel could also wear it, which seems laughable. (laughs) But as a kid, you don't really question that kind of, you know, size changing of of objects. Yeah, it's all done for convenience and for the plot, I'm sure. Right, if you can suspend your disbelief that the Smurfs exist, then you can suspend your disbelief that these objects, this apparel, can fit these small creatures and this adult, Wizard, yes. Um, yeah, I totally remember looking around my backyard for Smurf village, um, looking for big mushrooms of, of that sort. I remember playing uh, playing Smurfs at school. Um, I was Jokey Smurf, as I recall, one time, uh, which really, again, a limitation of the Smurfs is you're kind of acting out these tropes. All that Jokey really does is gives someone a gift and then it explodes and he laughs and that's long and short of his uh his experience as a smurf <laughs> makes for a very short game <laughs> yeah really okay well my my gift has exploded i'm done yeah so i don't know it, i don't remember playing it for very long and perhaps that's why <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you know you can't think really we plumb the depths of jokey yeah right yeah. there's no there's no deeper meaning to him Uh, My favorite item of merchandise from this as a kid was my lock block Smurf house. Now this think Lego, except some of the pieces were more rounded, which seemed to be their, their claim to fame that it wasn't just a square uh, block like Lego or what Lego was at the time. These were more rounded blocks and it really lent itself well to the, the mushroom shape of the houses and, uh, I had the Smurf house. It was just called the Smurf house. And there was a Smurf that had a little cup of cocoa permanently affixed to his his, uh, his fists. And uh, you, he had like a little bed and um, windows out of the house that I think could slide open. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they could. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking this was really neat uh, environment. Oh, I have finally have my own Smurf house. Yeah, and I had Papa Smurf's laboratory, which was wonderful because it came with Papa Smurf. But what I remember most about that, there was a little pedestal that you could have his book on, which was I thought was cool. And then he also had this little section of <laughs> surprise, surprise, potions, little potion bottles, which really just you know looked like almost light bright picks, if nothing else. Uh, but I just thought that was so cool to have you know some of the things that were on the cartoon and you know that Papa Smurf would be using. I thought that was just so neat. Yep, there were actually a few more that they made that we never got, obviously. Uh, one of them was Dr. Smurf's office, which kind of looks like a dentist's office. It has a, like a dentist's chair in the uh, in the house. But I don't remember Dr. Smurf being on the cartoon, so that was a strange choice. Yeah, I don't know that I would have gone for that because, I mean, I would assume that there would have to be a Dr. Smurf for the Smurfs. But if it wasn't on the cartoon, then I wasn't as interested in it. Right. The other piece that they made was Gargamel's Castle, which looks pretty impressive. I don't know how it scales, though. My guess is it's probably a little bit bigger than a Smurf house, but obviously not so big it can't fit into your bedroom. So the scale's not going to be perfect on that. But it did come with a Gargamel figure. Yeah, and I well, the Gargamel figure can't be that much big. It's got to be out of scale with a Smurf. Right. You'd have to play with it in a way that either the Smurfs have grown very large or Gargamel has shrunk very small in an effort to infiltrate the village, maybe. Yeah, I guess another thing you could do is you could have Gargamel's castle and then you could take just like some little tiny white block and say this little white block is the Smurf and just going around, you know, moving it around the castle and jumping from spot to spot or something. That's probably what I would have done. You could make creative play, I'm sure, with that, especially as a kid. Uh, the other thing I kinda I, low key want that. But uh any okay. other Smurf uh, merchandise that you remember enjoying um, as a kid? I think there were color forms um that we might have had. Uh shrinky dinks we had. I remember making shrinky dinks. Yeah, Smurf. what are shrinky dinks again for those of okay, you listening who so don't know. <laughs> there were these things that you would make in color kind of like they look almost like plastic or yeah, acetate, yeah, acetate, or acetate. and then you would carefully ask your mom to help you uh, and you would put them in the oven and they would kind of shrink and they would, you know, still maintain the look of the, you know, the same coloring and the same design that was there, only just smaller which you could use as a decoration at that point. So it was cool from that standpoint. Yeah. I do remember the shrinky dinks. I'd forgotten about that, but I'm glad you mentioned that because I'd forgotten it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what else. We had that was Smurfy, uh, Smurf related. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that might have been it. The only th- other thing I can think of was the Smurf game for the Atari twenty six hundred. Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. Had. That that's a whole nother story. which they also made one for ColecoVision, which is arguably better. Uh, but I don't know. I still have a soft spot for the bad Atari version. The sound effects from it, the you know their attempt to make a theme for the Smurfs, which they kind of the theme there but um it it's not the most complicated game but you know you can when you're a kid it's it's pretty great right i do remember the plot was you start in the smurf village and you're going to gargamel's castle to rescue smurfette and the graphics for the coleco vision version are clearly superior to the one for the atari 2600 your, mechanic, your your mechanism for moving around was basically walking and then either doing a single jump or a double jump up the hill or avoiding a spider or over a, a river. Um, it was... I liked it as a kid because I liked the Smurfs. Now it's probably not a lot of powerful replay value on that. No. Just go back to it every once in a while and say, Oh, yeah, I remember this game. It's all right. So, um... As you'd mentioned earlier, Johan and Pee-wee started showing up in the cartoon around seasons two and three. Even as a kid, these were some of my least favorite episodes, and primarily because I want to watch the Smurfs. I don't want to watch Johan and Pee-wee. Even though the Smurfs were usually involved in these episodes, it was not something that was exciting to me. No, it it was, I saw it as a distraction. If they want to have their own show, let them have their own show, but... I think that they couldn't survive on their own. So they kind of piggybacked onto uh, the Smurf's popularity and it was an existing character and they had a lot of, you know, stories already probably ready to go for it. So might as well just make these. And I'm sure some people like Johan and Pee Wee. I just wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so some of the popular villains we can talk about for a few minutes. Um, first of all, there's gargamel and Azrael. Yeah, I, I remember him. He was one sort of the main big bad. He wanted to, well, it depends on what what mood he was in. He, if he was hungry, he wanted to eat the Smurfs. Uh, and then, otherwise, he could turn them into gold. Which, they must taste really good. Um, why, first of all, did he ever eat a Smurf? How does he know they're good? Uh, and then, it, if you can take them, I, can't remember, I think the recipe was like, if you had six Smurfs, uh, you could make gold through some means, and if If you could do that, you could buy probably stuff that would taste better than a Smurf. So it's, it's, I've never quite got the grasp on that. Yeah, I don't know if they were a delicacy like truffles or something that was really difficult to come by, or as you had mentioned, if they were an ingredient for some kind of spell that would allow him to turn things to gold and make him wealthy. But he, yes, he was constantly trying to locate the Smurf village to capture the Smurfs. He hated the Smurfs and he had a cat Azriel who would chase the smurfs Azriel was usually also somewhat dubious of Gargamel's plans and would even laugh when Gargamel would fail yeah i'm not going to understand why Azriel would want to eat the smurfs cuz they're kind of like the same size as a rodent that a cat would probably go after but yeah he was um just typically just there meowing along and laugh meowing and you know just basically <laughs> being a, a a cartoon cat a uh, little Pet. I guess if you're a bad guy in a show, you need a little pet toadie along with you more often right. than not. Exactly. So uh, other villains of the uh, shows were Mummy, which was Gargamel's mother, who would show up every once in a while. Yes, I believe she sounded quite a bit like Gargamel, if I recall correctly. Yeah, there was chlorhydris I, I barely remember chlorhydris She was an evil witch. Um, she usually had like a skull cap on. She was an older woman. You couldn't see her very well. Um, and she was wanting to be young again, usually. Oh, or, yeah, uh, I remember her. Um, another one is Lord Balthazar. He was pretty, like, I think even Gargamel was scared of him, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was a more powerful warlock than, uh, than Gargamel was. Um, there was Hagatha. I remember with a lot of lot of a uh, hog snort sounds with her. Yes, exactly, uh, and uh, she she wanted usually to be beautiful or to find someone to love her, and, and somehow she could like use Smurfs like as a cream for her face or something I can't remember why 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 she wanted the Smurfs. Why she? So against the Smurfs at that time. Yeah, I don't know exactly her whole backstory, and I didn't really do a lot of digging into <laughs> oh, what okay. made a tick. Uh, but uh, I do remember her being a more annoying villain, just because she would snort uh, a lot during her discussion. Uh, even as a kid, I thought that was kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. no, no, not very entertaining either. So more like a a true neutral or chaotic neutral character in the show was Big Mouth. Yeah, well, he was just hungry. So I guess typically, you know, big mouth hungry. I think we still say it sometimes. Uh, But it seems like if you you got him food, then he was your friend. But if he was hungry and you looked like food, then you need to watch out. Yeah, he was just pretty much an ogre that walked around the the same uh, woods, the forest that the Smurf Village was located in. And he was, as you said, he was usually more hungry than he was threatening in the show. Uh, so they were also uh, allies of the Smurfs that that were involved as well. Yeah, you uh, mentioned Omnibus already. Yeah, Omnibus. It was an enchanter that that was kind of like the opposite of a Gargamel, just a, a good guy. There was also Father Time and Mother Nature. Yeah, which is kind of odd <laughs> the way they imp- anthropomorphize uh, those figures. Um, but I mean, it, they fit them into the cartoon well enough. It was usually for some plot. Uh, device obviously if they wanted if they needed the seasons to change or you know things like that well you got to get those guys on on the scene Uh, there were a couple of friendly animals too there was feathers which was a stork that would fly them around yeah i think he was in the opening uh credits sometimes for sometimes yes and then there was also puppy which is Homnibus's puppy which was introduced later and was kind of a a playmate for some of the smurfs yes Uh, including some of the smaller smurfs which i'm sure we'll get to Yes, yeah, we're getting ready to talk about them in a minute. (laughs) Uh, One thing I did want to touch on was uh, that a lot of the things, and this came up also with the Tom and Jerry cartoon, is that the soundtrack or the song choices for these cartoons can make a big difference and they can stick in your head. Yes. One of the things that the Smurfs did in their cartoon was used a great amount of classical music uh, during interludes and for themes for different characters. they were like almost a theme, like Gargamel had a certain sound and just the original, you know, Smurf theme would always be playing, at least near the beginning. But if something bad happened, you know, the music would change and there'd just be this constant music very often replayed throughout the episodes. It wasn't a broad range. There was a lot of reuse, it feels like. No, you're right about that. It was something that, it wasn't as though Gargamel had 10 different songs that you could associate with him or bad things are happening to the Smurfs right now, and there's a lot of drama happening. This is that. you know, There's 10 different songs. No, there's usually just one, maybe two songs that signified that. Exactly. A song that was particularly played when Mother Nature would appear, usually, or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd play a couple of these. All um, right. So I'll, I'll play it, and then we can talk about what, what the song was. So the first one is uh, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, Third Movement. All right. Here we go. Okay, so I definitely remember that. Usually when, you know, something uh, there's some action on the scene. They would play that one. And I guess it never really struck me that this is a classical music. It was just more, this is Smurf music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like when you're a kid, you think, no, that's Bugs Bunny music when it's a piece that he's playing on the piano or that Tom was playing at the uh, uh, piano or the, the Johann Strauss Waltz episode. That's Tom and Jerry music. But no, no, I guess it's actually Beethoven music. Right, but you hear that, and you inst- if you're a kid who watched the Smurfs, you almost get anxiety. Like, oh no, the Smurfs <laughs> are in trouble because they're playing this song. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, that took me back. That's yeah. what I started thinking about. Yeah, <laughs> whether you're proud about that or ashamed of no. that, that's just the way it is. <laughs> I guess that's where a lot of my culture came from, just cartoons. So this is, uh, the, the other one will play. And there's many more. You can find the list online. You can make your own Spotify playlist, maybe, if that's what you're into. But this is uh, Schubert, his Symphony 8 Unfinished First Movement. Maybe. <laughs> if it plays. Starts off very low. Yeah, I, I do remember that. It was another, I guess, usually just a regular background, you know, music that for what's going on right there. That that was Gargamel's theme, yeah, uh, for the cartoon most of the time. If he's kicking around his old swamp cottage, that's what's usually playing in the background. So it's kind of cool. Uh, maybe a way to introduce even classical music to kids through cartoons. Uh, it's probably a good idea for that. And I don't know if they did it because this is really great or because this is open, uh, you know, copyright. We don't have to pay for it. <laughs> this is really free. Right. This is public domain. It's really free. It's not so much that it's really good. But I do think that it fits. Although, as I mentioned, and I think you said as well, they leaned on the same songs quite a bit. There wasn't a lot of variation. Which, you know, for a cartoon, probably okay. It's just a way to sort of associate, like you said, this is Gargamel's theme, so this is Gargamel talking. Right, so getting back to the cartoon itself, you could start to say, you know, maybe the term jump the shark is overused. But in season five, some believe this is when the show began to jump the shark or get a little bit off track. This was when the Smurflings and Puppy were introduced. And you even see the beginning credits change at this time. And uh, may I assume they brought these Smurflings on to relate to the two kids. But, I mean... We were already watching the Smurfs. I really don't need to relate to kids or to introduce anything that would make me like it more. It certainly did not make me like it more. The I always found the Smurflings very annoying. Yeah, I was not a huge fan of them. It's strange if you look at the episode that introduced them. It's because some of them got caught into this uh, grandfather clock that ran backwards and became young. Uh, one of them actually had been on the Smurf, a natural Smurf, and he... Was de-aged and was called Nat for the rest of the series. Oh wow! I didn't really put that together. I forgot. I mean, I guess I'm I'm new sometime, but I forgot there were stakes involved uh, with these. um, Is that where was it Sassy or Sasset? Sasset. Sasset. uh, Yeah, and she was a Smurfling as well. But see, now I have a little bit of heartburn with that because the whole creation of Smurfette was a whole deal. Uh, So the fact that there was another Smurfette, Sasset, was also created. Okay. uh, and that's a whole other thing. If you look at the Smurfs, they're all male except for Smurfette. And um, I was going to talk about this later, but it's a natural point to talk about it. One of the episodes that obviously stick out in my head was called "The Smurfette," and it was a uh, it was a creation of Gargamel, right? And originally, she was like. I guess to help lure them in, she had dark hair, and she was kind of evil. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't, uh, you know, having the same appearance at all of Smurfette now. She was, you know, her nose stuck out more, and she had dark, short hair. And as uh, Gargamel sent her into the village to sow chaos and disorder. But uh, Papa Smurf, you know, performed some plastic Smurfery on her. (laughs) And uh, she was a good Smurf. Her hair turned blonde. And she had more eyelashes, and her nose was more uh, normal, I guess. And so then... She became much more smurfy. Right, but Not unsmurfy. Right, but in some ways, Gargamel's plan worked because then she started, you know, sowing division in the village because all the Smurfs wanted to marry her. Even Grouchy liked Smurfette. Um, So she's the love interest to almost all the Smurfs, which is a strange thing by itself, but we (laughs) won't get into how bizarre that is. Right. But, but anyway, um, eventually, the, the way that resolves, the Smurfs use the same process that Gargamel did to create this life-sized, human-sized hag that speaks the Smurf language and chases him around. Oh, yeah. that's almost creepy. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know if that was from the original comic that Payo put together or the cartoon, but I wanted to throw that in there because I, too, thought that was strange. That is bizarre. That might have been too dark for the cartoon, but maybe it's been so long since I've seen that episode. That might happen. So I'm speaking a little bit from ignorance from that. Yeah, we'll have to go back and do some research. This is the homework for everyone. Yeah, if you want to do some homework or home smurf or smurf work. I'm not sure what the (laughs) translation is. I think it's probably interchangeable. (laughs) It Probably is smurf smurf. I don't know. Um, Season six saw the introduction of Scruple, who was a young wizard who interacted with Gargamel. Oh, yeah. Were similar to the Smurfs, really, except it was darker. Right, right. Um, More kids. Got to bring more kids in. Yeah. So this is a scrappy-do effect. Yeah. (laughs) I also saw the introduction of Grandpa Smurf, and it's a somewhat dark episode involving the quest to restore the long lifestone that allows the Smurfs to live long lives. Remember, Papa Smurf is, I think, 542 when we're introduced to him. Yeah, so he's been around for, for a while. Right. But yeah, and Grandpa Smurf was his Papa Smurf when he was younger. And, uh, but the destruction of the Long Lifestone would cause rapid aging for the Smurfs and the destruction of the village. So they have to make sure that it stays good, I guess. I guess so. That sounds like something that uh, Gargamel would be after. If he wanted to get the Smurfs, I don't have to catch a Smurf. I just have to get that stone. If I destroy it, we're good. Yeah, maybe he just didn't know about the stone. I'm not sure what that was about. That must be. So Season 9 is where, if you had any doubts that the show was off the rails, this is where it completely changed. I was out of the Smurf game by then, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this was 1989. I was in high school at this point. And, uh, I forgot Smurf- they were still on when we were in high school. Yeah, they were. Well, this might bring it to your recollection when you start hearing about some of this. It was very different because the episodes took place in various points of time around the world. The... Uh, time crystals the Papa Smurf had to assemble so that the, a magic key would appear in the first episode. They got out of order. And so a subset of the cast of the Smurfs got thrown around through time. Hmm. Okay. This is starting to sound like a different show. Right. It <laughs> should be noted at this point that one of the hits for NBC was quantum leap. Oh, so this was like a quantum leap Smurf. It's, Theorized that this may have had something to do with it. The other theory, which is perhaps more plausible, is that they were just simply out of ideas. That they had mined all of Peo's source material that they felt that they could use for the cartoon, and they had taken the characters as far as they could. It you know it had been nine years, right? So there's only so much you know juice you can get out of that at that point. You're pretty wringing it dry. So the, the the cast of the Smurfs, the start in the episodes was cut back from the, uh, what you'd see on the cartoon. Now, it's still 17, which is a lot. But all you saw, you had Papa, Grandpa, Baby, Smurfette, Brainy, Clumsy, Hefty, Handy, Greedy, Grouchy, Lazy, Vanity, Joker, Painter, Wild, Sasset, and Snappy. That's it. So n- no other Smurf is going to show up. You never saw any of the Smurfs again, like Wild Smurf or the... Wild Smurf was in there. Okay, what about the TikTok Smurf? Clockwork. Clockwork, yeah. You never saw Clockwork Smurf again. I like Uh, Clockwork. Yeah, we're going to talk about our favorite Smurfs. He's in there. (laughs) So this is also the only season where Gargamel doesn't appear. Ah, Then it's not the Smurfs. But I will say, as the season drag on, or drag on, I should say, and they they ran into time period variations of their villains, like Gargamel... Azrael, Scruple, Hagatha, like a Cleopatra version of Hagatha. Like uh, then they said maybe these were their ancestors. Okay, well, that's interesting, <laughs> I guess. But, but the show's premise changing uh, signaled its doom. Uh, so And certain viewers were just displeased with the whole thing. They saw that this is jumping the shark. Well, uh, rightfully so. Allegedly, during the production of this season, Paul Winchell, the voice of Gargamel, left the show in disgust. After reading the scripts. (laughs) So he was replaced by uh, a different voice actor, Michael Bell. I would like to hear it sometime because I bet it's not close. Right. And so at this point, the series was canceled. Um, It was uh, replaced with uh, other things that were coming on with a live action block. It could be perhaps also related to the legislation that you mentioned in a previous episode. Boo. Yeah, that's not good news. Uh, So that was the end of the Smurfs. And sadly, it was left with a cliffhanger that was unresolved. So the 17 Smurfs, much like the guy from Quantum Leap, he never got home. So their last episode that they were there, they were still stuck in time. Yes. (laughs) That's where they are to this day, I guess. Perhaps to this day, they're still searching. At least that version of them. The next leap, hopefully with a leap home. We don't know. So, as you mentioned it, let's talk about favorite Smurfs. Um, so, one of my favorite Smurfs was Jokey when I was a kid. I've, I can only think that because I chose him to be the Smurf I played as uh, in first grade. I don't remember really, again, how the game went. I just remember thinking Jokey was neat. Maybe because he had that uh, exploding present that seemed to appear wherever he went. And mm. I thought that was neat explosion as a kid. Yeah, I like Papa Smurf. Um... Obviously, he was like the leader and he was different. He was were, wore red for some reason, never quite sure why. Maybe just to signify himself as Papa Smurf, as if the beard wasn't a big enough giveaway.
1: Yeah, that was,
0: I don't know why that, the thought of that is. There's different rumors and different conspiracies, Marxism and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he was a communist. Well, I, I, no, I don't either. But, you know, there's like everybody in the village lives together and everything, whatever. Yeah, I, I can I can sort of see with that. So you mentioned Clockwork Smurf, and I uh, always thought he was cool as a kid. Uh, I think Handy created him. He did, and uh, he just was super strong and was, you know, he became sentient, and that's, you know, how he came to be, you know, one of the Smurfs. Yeah, uh, Brainy could be okay sometimes, but usually he was just a jerk trying to, you know, accuse the brethren <laughs> Smurfs of, you know, crimes or whatever, and he always thought he was the best and blamed everyone else for problems except, you know, for him. Even yeah, yeah. if he started lying halfway through the episode. Right. If you want to think about, like, the sitcom The Office, he was kind of the Dwight character. He wanted to be in charge, but he wasn't in charge. He thought he was smarter than everybody else. Um, and that that seemed to be his his uh, reason, raison d'etre. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I guess because he built clockwork, I always thought Handy was kind of cool, too, just because he was able to build things and get stuff done around the village as opposed to Lazy, who didn't do anything. I also liked Baker because the stuff he made looked good. The, the greedy Smurf. The greedy know. Smurf. Whatever. Greedy but Smurf. He, he, he jumped back and forth in your defense. Okay. And, yeah, but I was one of those little, you know, Smurf berry treats that he would make. Because I don't know what a Smurf berry tastes like, but I just know it's delicious. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah, well, how could it not be? They always, you know, really wanted these things. Um, but, yeah, so on the other side of that coin, least favorite Smurfs. I never liked Vanity Smurf. Nope. Never liked Clumsy. Never liked Clumsy. Was just no. no just, dull, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just Never liked it. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't like Painter. Only because he was just so one-note. Like, oh, my master pacer. Huh? That was it. It was always, <laughs> you know, always trying to paint. Like, oh, can we get it? You like to paint. Is there anything else? I mean, you could say that about every Smurf almost. But I know. But never see, liked, yeah, I never liked Wild Smurf either. I think Harmony also. He was just kind of the same thing as Painter. He was just bad at his his Smurfy talent. Yeah. So it was strange that he would choose to be Harmony Smurf. He should be like D- Dissonance Smurf or something. Right. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I never liked Wild. I didn't like the Smurflings, obviously, either. Yeah, I think that was maybe because it was past your prime age of watching it. Maybe the younger kids liked it. All right, I can give that a pass then, but not for me. So, any any favorite episodes that you remember uh, watching as a kid? Uh, I think we discussed some of them probably already. Yeah, there was one with a was it like a magic porridge pot, and that they would make. And I think Greedy had this, and he could make a bunch of stuff, and he can stop it, but then he like lost control of it, and there was porridge everywhere. Yeah, so it I don't find didn't. the worst thing ever. But. Yeah, it seems like a, a good problem to have. But I do remember that magic porridge pot episode. That wasn't the one that wasn't any ones that were on my list, but that, that is one that I remembered. I, I did mention earlier the, the Smurfette is one that mm-hmm. jumped out at me yep. just because I thought, oh, this is so neat that Gargamel created a Smurf, which is a plot twist out of clay. Uh, oh. But you think if that's the problem, why don't you just create your own Smurfs if you're that worried about catching them? That's if right. you have the ability, just do it. That's right. I guess he could only make one or something. I can't remember how it went. Uh, I also remember the one with the, uh, with, I guess it was purple Smurfs, kind of like the the biting flies, the Ganap um, episodes. I remember yeah, the them. purple just, Smurfs. Yeah, almost yeah. like Smurf zombies or something. I, I don't know. It was, I remember it just stick out in my head, and maybe because it was one of the more popular stories with the Smurfs uh, in the original comic strip that the, the purple, the little fly would bite their tail. Turn them purple and then and violent. And then they would bite each other on the tail and then they would just kind of spread this uh, virus among them. And it was only through the uh, the spores of this one flower. They smelled that and it turned them back into their Smurfy selves. And I think Papa Smurf ended up helping them. Uh, but I don't remember that episode well enough and I didn't research it for this, so you'll have That's to okay. do some more. Homework. Well, we've got to leave some, you know, exercises for the class. Right. One other one that sticks out in my head is Paradise Smurfed and it involved Dreamy having a dream where there was this world behind a waterfall with uh, Bacchus and Cicero who were helping him, and they were going to play this height uh, smurf game. And uh, I think Brainy and maybe Lazy were over there, as, or Clumsy were over there as well. And uh, But then they got... They were like tur- trapped or something. Yeah, it turned it? out that they were going to be eaten by, by Bacchus over there. And uh, a couple of the Smurfs escaped behind this waterfall, which is how they found it. But uh, Dreamy was caught behind it. It turned to ice, and he was stuck. But it turned out to be a nightmare. But perhaps it was scarring to me as a kid, or it just was jarring. Uh, I remember that one for some reason. (laughs) I I remember it too, yeah. So uh, anything else smurfy that you want to talk about here? Um, Not that I can think of right now. It's been a very smurfy uh, episode, though. Nothing unsmurfy about it, for sure. Well, that that was my goal. Um, I know that there have been new movies that have been produced that have the Smurf characters in it. You'll notice I didn't mention those because I just don't consider that in in the the Smurf canon in my head. Um, There's also a new cartoon that's been developed and is out. Again, I don't know anything about that. That's not really for me at this point. This is more nostalgia-themed, and uh, that's my focus. Yeah, I've not partaken. If you're looking for that kind of content, you've come to the wrong podcast. Nope, living in the past here. Gotta gotta stick with what we know. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to us through our email at packbrospodcast.gmail.com. at gmail dot com. If you can like us on Facebook, just search for Pack Brothers Podcast. You can subscribe to. The podcast, if you just found it randomly, you can go to Apple, uh, the podcast app, or SoundCloud, or any of your most popular apps. Just search for Pac Brothers Podcast and subscribe. And hey, leave a five-star review. That would be smurfy. Yes, absolutely. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, Again, thanks for listening. And we will return next time to probably talk about more cartoon-related fare. Yeah, I think there's a good possibility of that. But until then, have a Smurfy day.